eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning. It is Monday, September 27th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, about to be joined by Brandon Marcello to recap the winners and losers from week four. Before we do that, I'm going to read down the, the top 25 scores so that you can have that in your back pocket in case it's Monday and you somehow don't know that. Uh, let's do it. Fresno State, number 22, held on to beat UNLV by eight on Friday night. Number one, Alabama, pounded Southern Miss, 63 to 14. Number two, Georgia, oh my gosh, went to Nashville and beat Vanderbilt, 62 to zero. Number three, Oregon did not look very good. They beat Arizona, 41 to 19. That game should have been 56 to zero. Number four, Oklahoma, Field goal at the end of the game to beat West Virginia 16 to 13. Fans were chanting for Spencer Rattler's replacement. We'll talk about that with Brandon. Number five, Iowa was a big favorite over Colorado State, and they had to rally to win 24-14. There might be some holes on the Hawkeyes. They go to College Park on Friday to play Maryland. Let's see. Number six, Penn State, yawn 38-17 over Villanova. Of course, you watch this one on CBS. Number 16, Arkansas beat number seven, Texas A&M 20-10. You also watch number nine, Clemson lose in double OT to North Carolina State 27-21. You watched Ohio State. Kyle McCord started off really rocky in in replacement of the injured C.J. Stroud, but then they rallied against hapless Akron and won 59-7. Florida, number 11, Florida 38-14 over rival Tennessee, Dan Mullen kept his foot on the gas, and they covered that one with about a minute left in the game. Number 12, Notre Dame beat number 18, Wisconsin, 41-13 at Soldier Field. Graham Mertz had five turnovers. We're going to talk about that one in depth with Brandon. Number 14, Iowa State went to Waco and lost 29-31 to Baylor, which is 4-0. So Iowa State ends the month of September with two losses. That's not how they saw that going. This one was closer than it than it should have been. Number 15, BYU, which has had fun game after fun game, big game after big game, uh, had a little letdown one at home against South Florida, which isn't very good. They won 35-27, to 27, though. So Coastal Carolina beat the crud out of UMass. Uh, the 17th-ranked Chanticleers won 53-3. Number 19, Michigan beat Rutgers 20-13 in the big house. Number 20, Michigan State beat Nebraska in brutal fashion. 23-20 in overtime in East Lansing. Number 21, North Carolina, the second dud of the month, lost to Georgia Tech, 45-22. to It did not even feel that close. Number 23, Auburn, probably shouldn't be ranked by the time you're listening to this. They beat Georgia State, 34-24, and Bo Nix got benched. TJ Finley, the transfer from LSU, comes into the game, leads him on a 98-yard scoring drive with three minutes left and threw the game-winning touchdown on fourth down. Congrats to him. It'll be pretty cool to see if TJ Finley is the Auburn starter this upcoming weekend for a trip to LSU. 
Number 24, UCLA bounced back from that tough loss to Fresno State by beating Stanford 35-24 at the farm. And then Oklahoma State beat number 25, Kansas State 31-20 to in Stillwater. So they should at least swap rankings and get Oklahoma State an unimpressive 4-0, but 4-0 nonetheless into the top 25. All right, let's talk winners and losers with Brandon Marcello. And if you're so inclined and you, you want to stay toward the end of that, in my outro, after I say goodbye to Brandon, I'm going to tell you how Graham Mertz cost me $1,000 on Saturday. Okay, Brandon Marcello joins us right now. Brandon, this is, you know the drill, winners, losers from week four, another great weekend of college football. I want to start with a winner. We don't want to be too negative, so we're, we're at least going to start with a winner. Arkansas, a few miles away from where you're recording this right now. They're 4-0. They just beat A&M in Arlington. They beat Texas earlier this season. They played Georgia this weekend. I don't know what that will hold. But this this is just like Indiana was last year. This feels like Arkansas is the toast of college football. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I think everybody kind of thought it would be a close kind of great game uh, between the two in Arlington. But, I mean, the Razorbacks jumped right out on A&M and just, you know, they let let go for a little bit there just because K.J. Jefferson was out at quarterback and they didn't trust Malik Hornsby to throw. But in the end, they ended up holding on and winning anyway. And uh, I think uh, in this season in which it just seems like we're dealing with a lot of great teams but not necessarily elite teams as we're used to. And Arkansas is is taking advantage of that. They've got great offensive and defensive lines, a game-breaking receiver, and a really strong running game. And uh, with that at this point, and when we're in this jumbled mess that is 2021 college football, if you play hard and you got great coaching, you can emerge at the top of the heap. And the Razorbacks are doing that right now. Yeah, Traylon Burks, man. Six catches, 167 <laughs> yeah. yards and a touchdown. And then he had the one that didn't even count. It's, I mean, yeah. He was quiet. He had that injury the first few weeks of the season. So this is like, you're getting, they're getting him at the right time, too. Yeah, he's an All American. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And it's kind of crazy if you think like what that receiver core might look like if Mike Woods stuck around instead of going to OU. But, you know, Burks, that one catch you said it wasn't called a catch. I mean, he ne- it nearly was a catch. And even when you watched it live, you're like, oh, that's way out of bounds. And he somehow got a toe right on that white line. But, you know, I think what's not getting talked about enough for the Razorbacks is that run game. They've got two really good running backs, including Rocket Sanders, is an amazing uh, freshman. And what they've got there is kind of a kind of a change of pace there in the running game with Kendall Bryles' offense. And they've got the offensive line to run whatever they want. And uh, the unique formations you see from Ken- Kendall Bryles uh, is certainly confusing opponents as well. I know Chris Hummer, who was on site there, wrote about how you know there were some sets where they're putting four four receivers stacked up pretty much on one side of the field. They're lining up players in spots that you don't normally see uh, in Arkansas's offense that may have confused Texas A&M a little bit as well. And um, I think we're probably just seeing the tip of the iceberg of what this uh, Arkansas offense is is capable of achieving, which which is pretty incredible when you consider that, uh, you know, the one thing we haven't really talked about is that defense led by Barry Odom. I think last year was apparent that that defense had really improved. And here they are now, and they're arguably one of the top five defenses in the country too so kind of insane when you when you think about it but you know i I wrote about this in my overreactions uh, on sunday that you know it wasn't like chad morris the former coach at arkansas had a recruiting problem he got pretty good recruits it's just the coaching was bad 
and he didn't instill a lot of confidence in that roster. So when they got in tough spots, they kind of gave up in some tough games, some close games when they're in the first half. And, you know, Sam Pittman comes in and has completely changed things there. And they've got that confidence now, plus they're older with that talent. And, you know, talent team composite, according to 24-7 Sports, gives Arkansas the 28th most talented roster in the country. And as I said, in this 2021 season, when everybody's kind of grouped together, and you've got some veterans and they're finally having a coming out party, so to speak, where they finally feel confident for the first time in their collegiate lives. It, it Maybe it shouldn't have been too surprising to see Arkansas doing what they're doing right now. Texas A&M was favored. I never got that. Was there anything about the Aggies on Saturday that surprised you, Brandon? I mean, Zach Calzada, he is who he is. We don't need to bury him. That, that team's not built to come back from 17-0 and it's if you're an Aggie fan today, you're, you're very disappointed in the, the Haynes King injury happening to you on a season that's so wide open because the, the Alabama game, that's just not going to happen. This was a team entering the, the preseason as or the season as the, the clear number two in the SEC West. You're not that. LSU might beat you. Ole Miss might beat you. It's a disappointment. Yeah, it certainly is. And, I, I, you know, it all starts with that quarterback position, as you mentioned, with Calzada. He's doing what he can, but he is what he is, as you said. He's kind of got one speed. And But the other thing was is that defense, the way that they were playing in that first half. I didn't see a lot of effort. Um, they were getting picked apart, and it just kind of like seemed like they gave up on plays as they were developing, which is not great. And, of course, you had that, that one long touchdown by the Razorbacks where they were playing bumper pool, so to speak. They were just bouncing and playing pinball with the receiver, and it was just, it was just terrible. That's terrible effort. That's effort that's not talent and you know when you get down as you I think you hit it on the head right there when you get down by double digits and you're A&M and you play with the type of offense they do with Jimbo Fisher it's almost like okay let's pack it in a little bit here and uh, that's too bad because they still had a chance there going into the fourth quarter but the thing that maybe was most surprising to me was the defense I, I expected so much better with the way they've been playing and it's crazy how the effort just didn't seem to be there that's still a top 10 defense in my opinion but if you're not going to play with effort you might as well be outside the top 50. I know I said I wanted to give people love today and not too much hate, but in watching the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game, which Notre Dame won 41-13 to in Soldier Field, I still don't know if Notre Dame is very good. We're going to find yeah. out more this weekend against Cincinnati. To me, this was more about Wisconsin. Graham Mertz, one touchdown, four interceptions. He threw more touchdowns to the other team with two pick sixes than he did to his own team. He was 18 for 41. Wisconsin, I have the stats right here. Wisconsin held Notre Dame. This is absolutely unbelievable. To uh, with, with some with some after some sacks, Notre Dame's net rushing total was three three yards. So Wisconsin should have won this game. They, they shouldn't have lost, especially that Notre Dame had to have a third string quarterback come in and, and he drew pine did very well. But if you're Wisconsin and you're, you're a ball control offense, you can't turn the ball over five times. You can't run the ball, which is 2.8 yards of carry for the team. And you can't have a quarterback who's this bad. And it's of course the whole, they let Jack Cohn walk. Hindsight's 20-20. Graham Mertz was the highest-ranked quarterback recruit in Wisconsin history. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not going to sit here and say they made the wrong call and then sit there and say Kirby Smart you know, should have gone Justin Fields over Jake Fromm. It's, it just happens like this. But Wisconsin's 1-2. and two. Man, they're not they're not very good. And it's, it's just it's kind of like Zach Calzada, Brandon. I don't have any great analysis for Graham Mertz. He's just not very good. 
Yeah, he just hasn't been very good against the top 25 opponents, particularly the the top 15 or so. I think he's thrown like 11 interceptions against ranked opponents in his two-year career so far. And, you know, it's a shame because, you know, we all know he started out so hot. He had that record-breaking performance in his debut in 2020, and it's kind of fallen apart. And the other thing with Wisconsin is that offensive line just doesn't seem to be what we thought maybe it was going to be and what we expect from Wisconsin as well, and that's hurting. And, you know, you kind of just got the feeling watching that game, yeah, going the fourth quarter, I mean, it was a low-scoring rock fight, and then you're just like, you know, I'm waiting for a turnover to happen here, and that'll be the difference. And boy, they came. And uh, Wisconsin, was, yeah, Wisconsin was obviously the on the lower end there. So yeah, they, these Badgers are are just not very good this year. Notre Dame, though, I think is the most opportunistic team in the country right now. They just take advantage of one little weakness. They identify it and they find a way to just kind of take a little like pickaxe at it and just slowly hammer it away. And then finally it breaks apart. I mean, they have done that against every opponent. Every team they face has been some type of close game in the fourth quarter pretty much. And they, they kind of break it open. And uh, that's that's great coaching. I know everybody loves attack Notre Dame. They likes to go after Brian Kelly, but I think they're doing a tremendous coaching job this year as a staff. And I can't wait to watch that Cincinnati game with Notre Dame because I think you're seeing, you know, obviously two of the better coaches in the country, but which one is going to break in the fourth quarter? Because I think that's a game that uh, is going to be close too. I'm glad you brought that up about the the coaching staff. Yeah, Brian Kelly passed Newt, Newt Rockney for most wins at, at Notre Dame. But yeah, in a year in which we've seen some of the other playoff regulars fall apart like Clemson or have serious holes like Ohio State, Notre Dame has every reason to not be 4-0. New defensive coordinator, new quarterback. Your offensive line is in shambles compared to what it's usually been. I think you're start, starting your third string left tackle after losing a, t- a ton of guys last year. Yeah, credit to them. Uh, maybe I should I I, I should I shouldn't be so hard on them or I should at least give them a little bit more shine here because, yeah, I mean, you're the underdog and you go win a game 41 to 13. You must be kind of good, at least, at least pretty good. I mentioned Clemson, Brandon. I think I'm going to do a whole episode with Anna Hickey at some point this week on the Tigers. I don't know how much you watched of that of that Clemson-NC State game. NC State won 27-21 in double OT. It felt like NC State was the better team by several scores. Yeah. So congr- congrats to them. And then uh, for Clemson, this is going off the rails and this looks like eight and four, nine and three, you know, overhaul the coaching staff. Yeah, I think we we've kind of hit that point in the Clemson tenure here for Dabo Sweeney that uh, things have been going great for so long with pretty much the same staff that at some point things just get stale in college football when you have some people around that long and I mean it's almost like the uh, the hidden secret to Alabama's success is that they have so much turnover every year that it doesn't get stale. Um, everybody feels like they got to work at 120% every every day because they're new on the job. But Clemson, I, I think that there is something to that. You know, The thing that kind of worried me a couple of weeks ago was hearing Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator, talk. He kept talking about improving fundamentals uh, with the team. Every time he's there, he's asked about problems and everything. It was just one schematics. It was always fundamentals. And, I, I, you know, listen, it might just be coach pick, but I'm sitting there thinking, why are we talking about fundamentals in week two, week three? That's off-season stuff. Why are you de- talking about that? And listen, you know, the, the Rita Clemson's problems right now is that offensive line. DJ Uyangale is just not dynamic enough to create, so to speak, uh, in the in the passing game. And then, of course, they had like three massive injuries, you know, in, against NC State. And now, it, you know, as bad as they've looked offensively and that defense having to hang on, you have to wonder if that defense is going to kind of like just stumble a little bit at some point. And with these injuries, you got to wonder what that locker room is like going in here into the midpoint of the season almost. Yeah. Uh, Brian Brzee, that looks like a bad injury. 
the star defensive tackle, James Skalski, the sixth year linebacker. That's another bad injury. The leader of that defense, yeah, really. The leader of that defense. And they've been bad in years past when he's been injured. You're right. The offense never gets off the field. It's always the defense. The defense never gets off the field because the offense is so bad. They're playing way too many snaps a game. We'll see how good the culture is, which is a Dabo Swinney thing he loves to talk about because you're also got a lot of highly ranked receivers who just simply aren't getting the ball at all. So that's going to be it's going to be sort of a disaster. As far as NC State goes, Devin Leary had four touchdowns. Got a kind of a fun ACC thing going on, Brandon. We've got Clemson and Miami and NC and North Carolina don't look good, but we've got NC State. We've got Wake Forest is undefeated. We've got Boston College is undefeated. They play Clemson next week. Syracuse had a fun win over Liberty on Friday night. Something I, I always enjoy when Syracuse is sort of good and the, the Carrier Dome's a, a game to watch on a Friday night. If, if you had to choose right now, do you have an, who wins the ACC? Yeah, I want to say Wake right now. I, I've I've got them higher than everybody else, but barely. There's two teams I like in the ACC right now. It's Wake and Boston College, just because Boston College plays so differently than everybody else in the ACC. I mean, Boston College had a nearly 14-minute long drive in the third quarter Saturday against Mizzou. And I was uh, listening to the game while I was outside exercising, and I was enthralled because it was just like five-yard run. Two-yard run, huddle, huddle, penalty. And they were just eating Mizzou up alive on that defensive front. And in this day and age where everybody's in the shotgun, of course, and we hurry up, no huddle, I mean, everybody's doing that. It's been going on for a decade now. So they've just kind of gone with this NFL offense, and it's working, and they've got a backup quarterback leading it right now and a really good running back. And I like Boston College. Wake Forest, though, here's the thing with them. They kept Virginia out of the end zone until the third quarter, which is no small task because Virginia loves to throw the ball. Brennan Armstrong's one of the top quarterbacks that doesn't get enough talk in the country. And Wake Forest defense kind of shut them down until the third quarter and uh, ended up winning that game by double digits. And listen, the Demon Deacons may not have played a terribly tough schedule, but they have beaten everybody on their schedule by at least three touchdowns. That offense is clicking. The defense is really doing a very good job. Right now, I'd say Wake Forest. Having said that, I know everything sounds so negative because that's the thing. We're dealing with parity. You start diving into the, to the, well, is anything actually good? when everything's parity. And the ACC, let's face it, it's the weakest Power 5 conference this year, even weaker than the Pac-12, I think, top to bottom. But you're seeing like some really great stories and interesting gems. And those two, to me, are Boston College with the way they play offense with a backup quarterback and Wake Forest just beating up everybody on their schedule, and yet no one's really taking notice. Those two teams are going to get a lot more play here over these next two to three weeks. I love it. I love it. Other winners, you know, Baylor is 4-0. They were home dogs to Iowa State. They won. Signature win. Signature, Signature win for, for Dave Aranda. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Don't sleep on them in the Big 12. I, it's, uh, you talk about the ACC being a weird conference. Big 12 is pretty weird. Uh, I got a loser in Minnesota. They were 30 Ugh. favorites to a horrible Bowling Green team. That's not like a fun Maction Bowling Green team. They're horrible. They lost North Carolina, a second dud this month. They lost to Georgia Tech. I'm not going to call Nebraska a loser because man, you went on the road and you played so well against Michigan State, but special teams. Again and again. Uh, yeah, man. That's that's tough. You got you got another winner or lose before we get you out of here. The Pac-12 after dark was crazy. Oregon State blasted USC. I'm trying to think. Oklahoma barely held on against West Virginia. They've got a quarterback problem there at Oklahoma, I'm sorry to say. Spencer Radler. What do you think about the, 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 the chanting for the backup for him? Yeah, I, I listen, I, I don't like it. 
I, I didn't like it. Not, I mean, okay, I, I, how do I put this? Not only did they chant for the backup, Caleb Williams, but they did it several times. Like, it was constant. And at some point, you got to realize, hey, what we're cheering for is not going to happen. Maybe we should shut up and cheer the team. I didn't like that really at all from the from Sooner Nation. Having said that, Spencer Rattler, that game-winning drive, you saw exactly why they're chanting for another quarterback because Spencer just didn't have to make any big throws in that. West Virginia actually handed that game to them. He just hit everything underneath. The receivers were open. He's got really good receivers. and But whenever he has to press the ball downfield, he's overthrowing guys, he's underthrowing guys, he's throwing the coverage. And the other thing that's problematic to me, we talk about getting Spencer Rattler on the move, and that's why he's more, more comfortable. Did it not seem watching that game last night that he was seeking out pressure as if he was trying to roll into pressure to kind of speed things up in his own game? That's not a good thing for a quarterback to be doing. It's almost like he's trying to challenge himself. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't like it. And that that's going to be an issue for them throughout the, this season because it's very clear that Spencer Rattler is not on the level of, goodness gracious, the last three quarterbacks that have come through there, which are the absolute best of the best and Heisman Trophy guys. So that's not to say Spencer Rattler's not a great quarterback. It's just he's not what Oklahoma is accustomed to and what Oklahoma, to be quite honest, requires for Lincoln Riley's offense to to be clicking the way it has been the last few years. Yeah, you can tell when Riley doesn't trust his quarterback. It happened at the end of 2019. Jalen Hurts, was they just such a vanilla playbook in the Big 12 title game. He's doing it with Spencer Rattler. The best OU teams are the ones that put the fear of God in you with the rip off a 70-yard touchdown at a moment's notice. This OU team is not doing that. They go to Kansas State this Saturday, which is a tough place for anybody, especially OU, to play. And then, Brandon, I didn't even watch Michigan Rutgers. That's on my YouTube you know, priority to watch this week. Are we taking Michigan for real? Here's the scoring scoring synopsis of that game. 7-0 Michigan, 7-3, 14-3, 17-3, 23. And then Rutgers goes on a, a blitz to make it 20-10 and 13-20. And, and to 20. Michigan just had their two scoring drives for the touchdowns were 17 plays, 74 yards, and then four plays, 72 yards. Um, and then they had a few field goals. I don't know. In, in a ball control conference, maybe that gets you something. Maybe, but here's my issue. That offense for Michigan was pretty bad in the second half. Uh, they they looked completely different. They weren't able to really get what they wanted on the ground as much as they wanted, and um, that's a little bit concerning. But listen, it, it, like I said, we're in this portion of college football, this era now, I guess. This is probably going to be like a one- or two-year thing, but if, the, if you believe in your coaches and you got enough talent and you've got enough experience, you're going to be able to pull out games. And that's what they did against Rutgers. Things just weren't clicking, and they got it done. And that second half, to me, for Michigan was very similar to what happened to Arkansas in the second half against Texas A&M. And the good coaching kind of won out at the end, and they just held on and, and got it done. And we'll see. We'll see if you know if there's a game where they're down uh, a touchdown in the second half. I honestly don't have much confidence in Michigan being able to not only rally to tie it, but rally to win it. Good stuff, Brandon. We appreciate you. Thanks to Brandon for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at BMarcello. Doing awesome work. His overreactions on Sunday, every Sunday, are a must read. Okay, I promised you my Graham Mertz story. So, and I'll keep it quick because I know we're running long here on the on the 20 minute, supposed to be 20 minute college football daily. But I like to make a fun parlay with with my buddy Phil every week. Just, you know, I know I know you're not supposed to do parlays and, and Josh Pate says don't do parlays. I, I'll win some other games, and then I'll just throw 10 bucks on a parlay. Eight-pick parlay to win $1,000. Notre Dame plus 6.5, got it. Texas Moneyline, got it. NC State plus 10, got it. Arkansas plus 4.5, got it. 
Texas A&M and Arkansas under 47. Got it. Kentucky minus four and a half against South Carolina. Got it. Clemson and NC State under 48. That was a push only because they went to double OT. And then in what looked like the best bet of the day, Notre Dame and Wisconsin under 45. So I made that under bet knowing how, how poor, you know, Graham Mertz was probably going to play, but I underestimated it. He was so bad that he threw two pick sixes and thus the total was busted. And as I watched those pick sixes get taken back the other way, I said goodbye to what would have been a thousand dollar winnings on a parlay that, man, like I just crushed it. I, I look like a genius in hindsight and that was a good bet. I maintain it was a good bet. No one should have had the over in Notre Dame, Wisconsin. And I'm going to try not to be bitter to Graham Mertz the rest of the way. He's just a kid, and I'm just a, a guy just making bets on DraftKings. It's legal here in Tennessee, so don't don't judge me too much. Anyway, thought that was a funny story. Thought thought some of you out there would want to listen to it. If you don't care, then I'm sorry. You, you're still listening anyway. Our producer is Lance Glenn. Our guest today was Brandon Marcello. I was your host, Trey Scott. We'll talk to you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily Go leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review as well if you want to, if maybe you have a, a bad beat story from Saturday or something you want to talk about. We had a, a fan say they want us to talk about Southern Miss. I promise we're going to get to it. I want to talk about Southern Miss and, and Frank Gore Jr. It just hasn't been a good time with the loss to Troy two weeks ago and then the, the game against Alabama coming up. But we're going to get to them. I promise we're going to get to them. Have a great Monday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.